In this month of May, dedicated to nurses, we have a very inspiring nurse practitioner with us today at Oncology Data Advisor. Dr. Lauren Gazelle is family nurse practitioner and a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Michigan. Her research on work-related challenges and financial toxicity in adolescents and young adult cancer survivors is funded by the National Cancer Institute. Lauren is a cancer survivor, and she is the author of editorial articles featured in CNN, including the article detailing why a nurse needed to be added to the COVID task force named by President Biden, which resulted in Jean Hopkins being added to the task force. Hi, Dr. Gazelle. Thank so, you for having me. And I will say it was not just that one CNN article. There was a big push from the nursing community. But um, yes, I, a lot of people are like two weeks after that. Guess what? Jane Hopkins was at. <laughs> so what do nurses need to do right now to help themselves and the cause of nursing? Yes. So great question. And I have multiple responses to this. I will say one of the most important resources that we as nurses need right now is institutional buy-in, institutional support, workplace support. We know that the work environment is vital to nursing sustainability, um, to nurse retention, um, to decreasing moral distress and burnout and turnover. Um, but it's really hard to address those challenges for a single nurse, for one nurse on a unit or you know one nurse in an organization. And so for that, we need nurses in leadership we need nurses coming, being not only invited to the table, but leading those table discussions. Um, we need nurses overall to be feeling supported, valued, um, have the ability and feel like they have the ability to grow as a nurse, as a nurse leader, as a nurse researcher, kind of wherever they want their careers to grow, feeling like they have those opportunities. And then also, it's important that nurses have mental health support. We know that um, there were issues around uh, nursing sustainability well before the pandemic, um, but the pandemic has just just highlighted that um, nurses have higher rates of um, suicide than the general population. Um, they are they were the workforce hit the most um, with deaths related to COVID. Um, because of the pandemic. Um, and they've seen a lot of, of death. They've seen a lot of illness that um, when they were in those positions have just had to kind of power through and continue. And so we're seeing a lot of that now kind of similar to even cancer survivors and what I felt during the pandemic of, you know, you're going through treatment and you're kind of just in this survive mode. You know, you're just getting through day to day. And that's what we saw with nurses. Um, they were just getting through the day to day at the height of the pandemic. And now, um, even though the pandemic is still ongoing, um, as as restrictions are loosening up, um, as you know, our, our government is changing um, this as a global pandemic, um, we do see that nurses are now being able to deal with those feelings of um you know, either post-traumatic stress or just a lot of the burnout from the pandemic and, and dealing with so much care um, as it related to patients and so much death. And so there were parallels, I felt like, in cancer survivorship to the nurse's role and the healthcare provider's role throughout the pandemic as well, um, of having to feel like, okay, they sit up and breathe now, but then now they're dealing with this mental health fallout. 
So those are two big things. No, no, those are great things. And I feel like since nurses are nurses are amazing caregivers to others, but I feel sometimes they're not the best caregivers to themselves, right? Is there anything that the the team at the hospital can do to or to specifically help nurses take care of themselves? Yes, yes. Um, so they can offer, you know, ample paid time off, ample vacation time, um, benefits in terms of their employee benefits, mental health support. So it's not a um, not feeling scared to access that mental health support, because we also saw from some early work during the pandemic, you know, if you were seeking mental health support and you had to call into your, you know, to your employer or call into, there was a nurse's support line, um, you know, that detachment or that that ability to reach out for help, help but not automatically being brought back to your institution, um, that could actually help. And so um, definitely, definitely mental health support. It's sometimes, it's, we know it's hard from personal experience. It's hard to even get access to a mental health clinician right now, whether that's a clinical psychologist, a psychiatric nurse practitioner, um, a licensed uh, clinical social worker. Uh, we know that there's a shortage in our um, mental health workforce too. And so having that access kind of brought to us as a workforce and, you know, perhaps even HR departments or employers saying, you know, we've partnered with Zencare as, you know, a supplier of mental health support and you can access this way. Or, you know, we know that we carry this insurance for our employees and these are mental health providers in the area that are accepting clients and that, you know, you can reach out to based on the insurance. Um, just eliminating those barriers to even entry into mental health support could be could be really, um, really strong in, in bridging that, that gap to mental health support. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I mean, I felt this too as a patient when I transitioned that that kind of going from being on the other side of the bed, the examining table, and being the patient that nurses, I felt definitely made the the um, the worst patients. <laughs> you want to be on top of your care. You want to you want to be. I think in, in cancer is so different too because you want to control everything, and you realize you don't have control. Um, and so letting that go can be really, really hard as a nurse when you really take pride over caring for your patients and being able to say, this is what I can do to help you better navigate your, your illness, your recovery, whatever you're going through um, in your cancer, in, in your care setting. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot that um, the environment can do and the, the institution can do. And yes, there's a lot that nurses themselves can do as well. Um, but we also want it to be, we want solutions to this. And based on the Mara discussion around nursing sustainability, we don't want the onus just to be on the nurse and the individual to say, I know I'm getting burned out. I need to go do this. Or I'm experiencing moral distress in this way. This is what I need to do because we know that those aren't sustainable solutions. Is there anything that the population of the U.S. say or us as patients who need our nurses can do to help advocate for nurses? Yes, it's a great question. And I, I remember being asked this January of 2021, I think was when I was on CNN. And that was an incredible experience. And um, 
you know, the, the reporter asked, what can we do for, for nurses right now? And then it was, you know, get vaccinated, continue to mask up and um, donate blood because there was a huge right blood shortage at that time. And I think in, in line with that, you know, keeping yourself healthy ultimately does decrease the workload on nurses, right? There's less folks becoming sick. Uh, we know that patients are entering the hospital at more complex um, you know, it's more complex care being provided. Uh, so I think there's a way of preventative health that you can help kind of in this long-term view. Um, but then also acutely too, you can support nurses through policy work and advocacy. Um, it's National Nurses Week, right? And so um, there's a lot of organizations that um, that travel to um, Capitol Hill. Oncology Nursing Society is one, and Alex Stone, the head of advocacy, leads those efforts. And so we work on advocating um, if there is specific bills in, um, you know, in in review and session um, that directly um, impact the nurse workforce or our patients. We will speak to our um, congresswoman and men about that, um, and the general public too. I think. Asking more about nurses beyond, you know, how are you doing? But also tell me about what a workday is like for you. Because one thing I've learned <laughs> in my relatively short career at nursing is that the general public is still pretty, um, there's still a lot of gaps in knowledge as to what we do. Because nursing is nursing, right? Under this umbrella of nursing, there's so many different careers. There's so many different types of care and types of work that one can provide. Um, and so I I think I've been having more of those conversations with my friends who are not in healthcare at all. I'm just like, what do you think I do? And also, you know, what what are your big questions about nursing that we can help have a conversation together? I think that is, I think that's why, um, especially during the pandemic, there was a big focus and a spotlight on, you know, several different media outlets followed some nurses around in the ICU where there was a lot more coverage on nursing um, and nurses' experiences because we really had not been hearing their voices before. Um, and so how can we how can we as a public continue to amplify those voices, right? From report, I feel like any career can incorporate a nurse, whether, you know, I just had a conversation earlier this morning with a fellow, um, a friend of mine who I went to Boston College with for undergrad and she works in the business world. And we were talking about how can we kind of brainstorm on a conference presentation on an abstract um, that, and a lot of her work is on um, supporting LGBTQ um, um leaders and and researchers and so how can we kind of put our heads together and um and submit something to an app to a conference to continue these discussions um so yeah so i think that's that's my biggest takeaway from the public is to bring in nurses when they can um to discussions because a nurse you know I was at, and I know this is an aside, but I was at the Stat Breakthrough Health Summit last week in San Francisco, and I talked to one. Um, I talked to one leader of a startup, and she's like, "Nurses should just be inventing everything." You know, the the innovation that they have <laughs> and the input that they bring to teams is is so underappreciated and undervalued right now. And so I I think that we're at a really 
we're at a really pivotal time as a public to look at the nursing profession and be like, what are we going to do from, from folks outside of nursing, right? From the general public, as you just asked, um, are we going to continue to amplify their voices, amplify their experiences? Um, or is it going to be like, okay, this is a them problem. And, you know, we don't know what's going on, but we'll just continue to do what we're doing. And we know it's, that's not working. So, um, long-winded way to say we definitely need public involvement, public investment in our health and the care that we give to patients because you're always, you're, you're going to interact and encounter um, a nurse at, throughout your life. And so um, I know that the, our profession touches every life um, and we provide the most care to patients. So <laughs> And you bring up an important point. Nurses are very good researchers too. And you are a researcher as well as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, could you talk a little bit about your research? Yes. So I will start by saying that I am a second degree nurse, um, which is, don't know the exact statistics on our current workforce and what percentage makes up, um, you know, the workforce from the sec these second degree programs. Uh, but my first degree was a bachelor's degree in economics. And then I came to nursing. And I say that because that um, view of health economics and more of a businessy side to things has definitely influenced my research and my work. Um, and so I um, was in the first year of my PhD program while also working as a family nurse practitioner when I was diagnosed, very surprisingly, with stage two Hodgkin lymphoma. And um, at first, I ran from any research related to cancer survivorship. I did not want that to be my entire life. I did not want to, um, I didn't want to switch or pivot my focus in research. Um, and that was early on in my diagnosis. And then throughout, you know, um, throughout my treatment, throughout my, and again, I was in my first year of my PhD program. So I'm going through, you know, rigorous chemotherapy treatment and doctor's appointments alongside learning, you know, what is research? How do we implement theory into this work? Um, you know, taking a design and methods course and biostats and, it was, you know, sitting in these in the treatment chair doing work when I realized, like, oh, I have all these questions, and part of that is as is, is a result of learning about how to do research while you're living this this life changing experience. Um, and so I learned very quickly that there was this growing body of research around adolescent and young adult cancer survivorship. Um, I learned that there was this emerging body of work too around financial hardship and financial toxicity in younger cancer survivors. And so that's, and that's where I, you know, was immediately drawn to kind of, this is where I want to um, contribute. This is where I can bring all my unique experiences and really work to improve uh, the health and quality of life of AYAs with cancer, because we know that finances and money drives a lot of decision-making. And so, um, so that's where I pivoted my work. And as I'm, um, as an early career nurse scientist, I'm also learning too how to embrace these essentially two lines of research, one around global nurse workforce, where I initially started in the PhD program, and then the other around AYA cancer survivorship. And so I have this incredible opportunity of being awarded um, the MARA 
Mogensen Flaherty uh, Memorial Lectureship alongside um, Suzanne Boyle and Amy Redick. Um, and I had the opportunity to talk kind of about merging those two um, those two paths. And so I am really excited about future research. I'm currently finishing up a postdoc at the University of Michigan, where I've continued to um, uh, be a part of a training in cancer care delivery research and working with leading AYA experts like Dr. Brad Zebrock, be a part of interdisciplinary teams across economics, social work, psychology, medicine, and nursing, which I'm very excited about. And um, and then I'll be transitioning over to a tenure track position to continue my research around these issues in AYAs with cancer. Well, congratulations. That's, Thank you. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's an amazing achievement. I can't wait to follow your career as a yeah an exciting leading nurse scientist researcher. I, I yeah I look forward to seeing what you do. Thank you. And I guess I will end with saying, and something I've been talking about is this question of like how can we inspire more yes. nurse more folks to pursue a career in nursing. And I think, right, that's like this million dollar question now that a lot of people are grappling with, not only with our clinical nurse workforce, but also in mm -hmm. um, also in research. And we know that we're graduating less and less PhD, um, PhD prepared nurse scientists. Um, and so there is this push to kind of re re-examine the NIH um, put out a call for comments on how can we re-examine the postdoc for not only nurse scientists, but others um, in, in, um, in scientific research. And uh, I think also the, the bigger question, the bigger thing that I reflect on with that question of inspiring more folks to pursue a career in nursing is really, um, really understanding the generational differences within our workforce and knowing that there are generational differences in perhaps work fulfillment or one's relationship with work. Um, you know, my my mom just recently retired from her career in nursing. Um, and she I shared with shared this at the Mara that we went, we did our doctorates at this around the same time, her, her DNP, me, my PhD, and very different points in our careers. Um, but you know, she entered nursing as like from her nursing school as I'm gonna stay in this position for the my my entire career. And we know that's not the case now for for younger nurses. Um we know that uh, travel nursing is um, a big area that um, these early career younger nurses have focused to not being tied down with families um, or perhaps, you know, wanting to not only explore the world and reap the benefits of increased pay, but then also this travel component that um, many folks my age, you know, that's intriguing to them. They want to be able to um, balance their life and, um, have left environments where they didn't feel supported, have left environments where they didn't feel like they could deliver safe and high quality care um, because just of, of a lack of nurses. So how can we inspire more people? <laughs> I, I firmly, firmly believe we have to reimagine not only models of, of healthcare delivery, um, 
but then also um, workplace settings too, and incorporating these different perspectives and knowing that, you know, early career younger nurses have more to contribute to our, our workforce than just being good at the computer and technology, but they have other unique experiences. Um, and we have to be able to show to potential nurses that nursing is a sustainable career. Um, and that we know pizza parties aren't the solution. Uh, we know that that change has to come from within institutions. Um, and yeah, it has to come from the work environments where one works, um, where one's providing that care. And yeah, the, uh, the final thing I'll say is that we can also show that nursing, there's many different pathways into nursing. And uh, there can be, there are very many pathways after too. And so I think showing and amplifying these different roles as a nurse after you receive this BSN degree or your diploma degree or an associate's in nursing, kind of where you can take um, your education and training um, to what other interests that you like to, um, to other skills that you have uh, to shape the career that you want. Because once you're fulfilled with your career, once you feel valued, um, if you're more pro, you're right, more prone to stay at that place and also contribute more to your work, your work, your workplace, your work environment. So that's me bringing on my economics hat and my nursing hat to show that we do have to get more nurses inspired, more feeling valued about their work um, and that they matter. And so we hope that that was a good takeaway from the Mara um, with our um, with our panel that we brought together. Um, but I'll I'll end there. So thank you for asking that. No, thank you. I yeah, I think that's a great takeaway and very inspiring. Mm -hmm.